0: are Locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Locked on NBA Trade Deadline Breakdown Edition here on Locked on NBA, looking at the numerical breakdown of the trades, some analytics, and some pack numbers, which I'll explain to you in just a moment. I am David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. If this is your first time to Locked On NBA, Locked On NBA is our weekly, bi-weekly national podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today, we are going to look at nine of the trades that took place and break them down using a metric that I've created called PAC, Points Above Average Created. And what that does is looks at the value of offensive players based on their efficiency, their ability to use possessions, and how they impact games uh, that way. For example, if you've never heard of PAC before, if a player gets, say, 20 possessions, uh, scoring opportunities in a game, that's kind of generally where someone like Kevin Durant is, he's the best in the NBA in pack this year. Then you look at if an average NBA player had those same 20 scoring opportunities, what? how many more or less points would the average player score? So the best in the league is Kevin Durant. His pack is four. Isaiah Thomas's pack is 3.7. James Harden's pack is 3.1. Steph Curry is 3.0. Points above average created. So, compared to the average NBA scorer in the league uh, and the average efficiency, how do these guys do? And this is generally how it is. There's usually one guy that's up in the four, five, six. Last year, Steph Curry had this incredible season that was uh, has rarely been equaled at 5.8. Durant was at 4.1 last year. And then James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and. J.J. Reddick, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, and Hassan Whiteside were the only players over two. This year, there's a few more players over two. Right now, we have about 11 of them. Durant's at 4.0, Isaiah Thomas, I said, 3.7, Harden, 3.1, Curry, 3.0, Leonard, 2.8, LeBron at 2.7, Kyle Lowry, 2.7, Rudy Gobert, 2.3, Otto Porter having an incredible year. For the Washington Wizards is at two point year. Nikolai Jokic, Giannis Adakumba, and DeAndre Jordan are those players above two. If you're zero, you're just average, that's fine. And then most players, frankly, uh, that's kind of how it generally is. One guy above three two or three or four guys at above or some one guy above four two or three guys above three and then about 10 11 12 guys at two or more and you know if you're above 1.5 you're really good it's just that's what you do on that given night how many points above the average player in the league uh you create and that's how Using some other analytics as well, we will break down uh, every single one of the trades here on the trade deadline, the nine major trades uh, that took place. So that's what's coming up for you on the program. Thanks very much for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one place for you to you get tickets to a concert, a sporting event, whatever venue around you, you might be going to, or if you're traveling on the road. And what they have done is they have made uh, the peen in the butt, frankly, of getting tickets to events easy and simple for you by using modern technology. Just go onto your phone and download the SeatGeek app. On, at the SeatGeek app, the first thing you'll notice is how easy and convenient it is. The second thing is the is that they compile all of the tickets from everyone around so that you don't have to be searching multiple sites. Then they give every ticket a ticket score so you don't have to try to figure out the arena. They're doing it for you, telling you which are the best Uh, and you can figure it inside your price range. And then finally, it's secured. It's on your phone. It's easy to deal with. And that's what makes SeatGeek so special. Now, the best part is if you use the promo code LOCKED, you get $20 back after your first purchase. So right now, go to your phone and download the SeatGeek app. And then go to Settings, and under the promo code, enter in LOCKED. And after you make your first purchase, you'll get $20 back. Set a price alert or two on some of the big events that you're looking forward to uh, along the way. All right, so that's our sponsor today. We do always want to make sure we remember our our other sponsors. Today is the Geek Show. We do have other sponsors that have been very supportive of us over the time, and I'll mention them uh, throughout the program. But let's get to it. Here we'll take a look at the nine trades that took place. Uh, in no particular order, but we obviously will start with DeMarcus Cousins. And, and this, let me make sure I clarify one thing. I'm not really looking at the draft picks and some of that analysis. I'll leave that to Kevin Pelton and his great work. This is How's it going to impact teams now? Who's going to get better? What's going to happen in the next 25 games? Maybe for the next season. Let's look at, the, that's really the focus here. Uh, So, for example, our first trade is obviously DeMarcus Cousins deal. DeMarcus Cousins and Omri Caspi to New Orleans for Buddy Heald, Langston Galloway, Tyreek Evans, uh, and a future first and a future second. We won't really put in those in value. I'm not trying to equalize the value of this trade in any way. I want to know how is this going, using the numbers, how is this going to impact these two teams? Let's start with New Orleans. So DeMarcus Cousins' pack is point five. So, remember we talked about Durant's a four, the other three guys are threes, other guys are two. He's not exceptional. He's above average, but he's really not an elite player in any way offensively in regards to his efficiency. He puts up big mammoth numbers. He uses 25 scoring opportunities a night, and in those 25 scoring opportunities, he's only scoring .5 points better than the average player in the league. It's not. It's not remarkable. He's not a particularly efficient offensive player. He's great at a high usage. If you believe in the value of high usage, you like what DeMarcus Cousins will do. But he is not an exceptionally efficient offensive player. And Pack rewards offensive players that are efficient. So he's not. He's just a high, he's a high volume guy. Omri Caspi, who they also got here, has had a very poor year this year. He's a negative .5 pack player. So, frankly, if the two of them, and he does that in just six scoring opportunities. They come out dead even combined. Now, last year, Caspi was exceptional. He was a plus for just 10 scoring opportunities. He was a plus point nine, almost a one. So if that player shows up in New Orleans, then th- th- this is a good, this actually kind of sways this thing in a, in a big way. But let's go back to Cousins. So Cousins is using 25 scoring opportunities a night. Who are they going to come from really matters. It's good news for the Pelicans. He uses 25 scoring opportunities tonight. Because, frankly, every player on the Pelicans, other than Anthony Davis, is a negative impact offensive player. They're negative pack players. They have a negative impact on the offense compared to the average player in the NBA. Now, Davis is great. He's a plus 1.3. Each night, He in 24 scoring opportunities, his, he scores 1.3 points more than the average player in the NBA. So the key is going to be that Davis still gets his 24 opportunities and Cousins gets his 24, 25, 25 in Sacramento from really the guys they got rid of. They're all really bad. Langston Galloway is a negative .7 in 8 scoring opportunities. Terrence Jones, who they just released, is a negative .7 in 10. Tyreek Evans is a negative 1.2 in 10 scoring opportunities. Buddy Heald is a a negative .8 in 8. So they're all really bad. So even though Cousins is not great, if he can take 25 scoring opportunities from all these negative guys and flip it to .5, then the Pelicans could become an average offensive team. Remember, they're 27th in the league offensively right now. Not surprising when you hear these numbers. If Cousins can get those possessions out of the right spots and davis maintains what he's doing that's a considerable jump it's enough to move them from 27th offensively to right about average now the what gets interesting here is what do they do defensively and i don't have a rating system pack is purely offensive but they are the eighth best offense defensive team in the league right now and i don't think they hold that with demarcus but we'll see uh, and also some of the guys they got rid of were half-decent Langston Galloway, half-decent defensive player. My guess is in the final 25 games, they move to about f- between 15th and 19th offensively and about 12th and 15th defensively. Will that be enough to make the playoffs? I actually don't think so because I think Denver's playing pretty well, and I think they're going to have to do in their final 25 games something nuts like go 18-7 to make the playoffs because they're back three in the loss column. So I do, I, they'll be better. Because of how incredibly bad they are offensively, even though DeMarcus is not an elite offensive player, he will improve who they are. Now, flipping over to Sacramento, whose intention is to lose, I actually find them a little interesting. So, they were above average offensively with every player on the team other than Caspi, who they traded, Matt Barnes, who they released, Ty Lawson, and Ben McLemore. Now, the problem is, if they just played who they have on the roster, I actually think they would be surprisingly better than people realize. Collison Flalo, Temple, Tolliver, Costa, Cufas, Colley Stein. I actually think that as terrible as that group sounds, I think we'd be surprised that they're all actually a little... They, they, they'd, they'd surprise people. They, would, they wouldn't have uh, the surprise like Portland of a few years ago where you upped everyone's possessions and they became... Uh, or two years ago where they were just as good. But that group actually would be okay. The problem is they're going to play Buddy Healed a ton, and he is not an efficient offense player. He's a negative .7, so that's going to hurt. If they play Galloway, that's going to hurt. If they're going to play Evans, as of right now, that's going to hurt. And I assume Macklemore will get more time. So it, it, they, they will, Sacramento inevitably, uh, will try to fulfill those 25 scoring opportunities of Boogie cousins, unfortunately, with guys that aren't particularly good. Now, if they, what my point is, as weird as this sounds numerically, if they filled those 25 scoring opportunities and just kind of pushed it across the board to Collison, Aflalo, Temple, Tolliver, Costa Kufis, Willie, Colley, Stein, uh, and, and the guys that they have on that roster, I actually don't think you'd see a tremendous dip. Those guys actually all kind of equal cousins 0.5. Uh, offensively but in summation so that sums up deal number one here on locked on NBA uh, the pack breakdown of the deals let's go to the the biggest win of the trade deadline Lou Williams to Houston for Corey Brewer Lou Williams is the best offensive player traded his pack rating is plus 1.7 he's the 16th Most positive impact offensive player in the NBA. The Laker offense was 10 points per 100 possessions better when he was on the floor. So, Lou Williams, on an average night, scores 1.7 points more than the average player does in his 15 scoring opportunities. It's incredibly high. Pack, points above average created. And... So Williams is now the second-best pack player on the Rockets, other than James Harden. So whomever's possessions he takes, they become a better offensive team. Now, I'm not sure if he gets 15 scoring opportunities a night. Uh, he was the number one usage player in, for the Lakers, so that might be down a little bit. But now let's talk about who he's taking it from. Corey Brewer, who they traded, was the worst pack player on the Rockets. This is not quite the same as the day I remember doing Pau Gasol replacing Kwame Brown, but this has, you're you're taking the worst offensive player off the Rockets and putting on a top 20 offensive player in the NBA and Lou Williams on their roster. Over the years when I've studied PAC, the signature of a championship team, is that every player on the roster is above average. And what the impact on the floor to that is that when you take the ball out of Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippins or or LeBron James or whomever's hand, Steph Curry, and they have to swing it around and move it to the next guy because you're putting your defense... that the player who then uses that possession at the end is still above average. That's what... Comp- makes up a championship team. is If Andre Iguodala is above average and he uses that possession, you're still fine because you have the superstar in Steph Curry and no one's going to be able to catch Steph Curry over the course of a- Well, the Rockets are there. The only player on their team who has a negative pack rating right now is Trevor Ariza at minus .1. So he's basically even. You now take Lou Williams in... Let's say he takes two or three Trevor Ariza possessions. He takes the few Corey Brewer possessions. He puts takes a few other guys possessions. He's the second best, and the Rockets are now the number one offensive team in the NBA. The the Rockets will from this point on be the number one offensive team in the NBA. It's a great trade and changes who the rock puts the Rockets, who were already you know two, three, or four offensively. I think number two last time I checked. They will be the best offensive team in the NBA the rest of the way. The Rockets are a huge winner at this trade deadline. Deal number three we're looking at is Doug McDermott, Taj Gibsons to Oklahoma City for Cameron Payne, Joffrey Laverne, Anthony Morrow. The key issue here is that the Thunder are minus 11 per 100 possessions with Russell Westbrook off the floor. Can this help? Well, they were minus 8.4 with Cameron Payne on the floor. They're minus 2.4 with Sabonis on the floor, who Taj Gibson's minutes will take. They were minus 6.1 with Joffrey Laverne, whose backup minutes Sabonis will now take. And they were minus 7.2 with Anthony Morrow, who Doug McDermott replaces. They absolutely should get better. Taj Gibson is an even pack player. He is the definition of an average offensive player In the NBA, he uses 11 scoring opportunities a night. Doug McDermott is a one. So really what they did is they went and just grabbed two average offensive players who, between the two of them, have used 20 scoring opportunities a night. And if that's coming off your bench, or I think Gibson may start, that's terrific. Because you have other players that are above average. The guys they're trading were all poor. Laverne. Negative .2 and five scoring opportunities a night. Cameron Payne, one of the worst in the NBA at minus two. Last year, was minus .5. And Anthony Morrow's minus .7. Crazy thing is those three guys use 18 scoring opportunities a night. Gibson and McDermott only use 20. You just flip those guys, and all of a sudden, you have... those, Those guys combined are minus three per... pack in a given night now remember when we did this at the very beginning and I was trying to explain to you the pack values Durant's number one in the league at four Isaiah Thomas and James Harden and Steph Curry the only players whose pack is over three the three guys that the Thunder traded are a combined negative three Laverne Payne and Moros. Negative impact offensively on the Thunder every night was the same as Steph Curry's positive impact on the Warriors. Or Isaiah Thomas, not quite Isaiah Thomas or James Harden, but close to James Harden's positive impact on the Rockets. And they got average offensive players? That's incredible. Not to mention Chicago's always been a little better with Taj Gibson on the floor. Chicago's defense has been less good with Doug McDermott on the floor. It's probably worth keeping an eye on. This is... A, a mammoth win. Mammoth, mammoth win for Oklahoma City. They just got better offensively. They're currently 21st in the league offensively, so they have a long way to go. Here's the only problem for them. Their backup point guard, who will replace Cameron Bain, is equally as bad as Payne. So they're going to have to find a way to get the possessions away from Christian in some capacity. That's that's the one thing that curtails this: is the player that's replacing pain is as bad as pain has been. But it's a big one. Chicago? I don't know what you're doing. Chicago's awful. All of their offensive players are negative pack players other than Jimmy Butler. They're two average guys they just got rid of in Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott. I'm, I, beyond me, how Chicago does this deal and also doesn't do the Jimmy Butler deal to Boston at the same time. Maybe they thought they had that and it fell out from under them. I don't know. But this deal is a huge win for Oklahoma City, and I have no idea with what Chicago is doing or how sh- what Chicago thinks they have done uh, in this deal uh, for Cameron Payne. The fourth deal we're going to look at, but first, let me remind you of some of our old sponsors, Blue Apron. Get your three meals for free at Blue Apron with the promo code LOCKNBA. Blue Apron is the number one uh made food delivery service to you uh p- add the ingredients come prepackaged perfectly make fun exciting meals check out blue apron indochino is a sponsor made to measure suits love indochino promo code locked and you can get a custom premium suit at half price warby parker boy the amount of sunglasses and. In- Prescription glasses in our house from Warby Parker are just incredible. WarbyParker.com slash locked to get your five free try-ons at home. Those are three of our sponsors that uh, you should check out and appreciate them their support. Let's look at Serge Ibaka to Toronto for Terrence Ross. This surprised me a little bit. So Ibaka is a plus point four pack player. So he's kind of has the same impact as DeMarcus Cousins on a game. He does it in just 13 scoring opportunities, where Cousins had 25. So who does he replace? Where If Serge Ibaka is going to get about 13 scoring opportunities, a little bit above average, who are they coming from? They're going to come from Pascal si- Siakam, who was a negative .2, so not terrible, but only used four scoring opportunities a night. Damari Carroll's been a negative .2, taking some of those power forward minutes when they go small. Patrick Patterson is a negative point four. I'm sure. So, so that's so you have a negative. Those guys kind of combine to a negative point 0.8. Patterson will still have his impact, and Surge is a positive point four. It's a it's a positive swing. It's not as dramatic as what we talked about with New Orleans, or not as dramatic as when we talked about Oklahoma City, because Toronto's good offensively. But the real issue, frankly, when digging into this, Abaka has been. A point four player for the last three seasons. He dipped a negative point two last year, got below average. Uh, he's, but he's a point four. Is the key to the Abaca trade working? Is Abaca getting some of the possessions away from Demar Derozan? For all the love of Derozan and his incredible year of thirty plus points, he's a below average pack player. He uses 25 scoring opportunities a night. If an average player in the NBA used those 25 scoring opportunities, or if you divided them amongst all average Taj Gibsons, they would score .3 points more than DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is a negative pack player. Points above average created, and he's negative in the 25 scoring opportunities. It's absurd that Kyle Lowry, who's one of the best pack players in the NBA is only getting 18 scoring opportunities, and DeRozan's getting 25. If you can get some of those away from DeRozan, get him down to a reasonable number, and work them over to Ibaka, that's actually what's going to improve the Raptors the most. What's interesting is Terrence Ross used 10 scoring opportunities and about .1. So even just taking the Terrence Ross possessions and moving him to Serge Ibaka would have almost a minimal impact Norman Powell, who's replacing Terrence Ross, is an even pack player. So they're both kind of right there. They're just Terrence Ross, Norman Powell. They're even offense players. They're a wash. So really, it comes down to Ibaka getting some of Demar Derozan's possessions. Interestingly, when I dug into these numbers, Ross, with an even pack player point one, he's been that for both the last two years, is a significant upgrade on Jeff Green, on. Mario Hezonja on Aaron Gordon. And as crazy as this sounds, numerically, Orlando is the team that is going to be more improved in this deal than Toronto. As much because hopefully Aaron Gordon becomes more efficient as he goes to the four. And the three position has been so bad that if Ross takes those minutes away and Evan Fournier still plays the two, Orlando will improve. They also had a vastly larger distance to improve. But I actually, but I, I believe that Orlando might have actually gotten a little bit better here, which I have not heard anyone say. Largely because of the improvement of Ross at the small forward over Jeff Green and some others. Let's go to the second deal with Toronto. P.J. Tucker. Raptor fans, you're not going to like my message to you tonight. P.J. Tucker... Pack is a negative point five. Well that's gotta be a fluke. But it's not, because last year he was a negative point six. In fact, he is now the worst pack player on the Raptors offense, on the Raptors roster. The worst. So any possession Jared Sellinger was worse, but he's gone in this deal. Any possession he uses is going to be worse for the Raptors than if it was used by any other player on the roster. But he's tough. That's what we hear all the time. You know what? The last two years on a terrible team, there's no noticeable difference between when he's on or off the floor. It is distinctly possible that P.J. Tucker is a not very good player, who Toronto originally drafted many years ago and then went to Europe, who got a bunch of time on a terrible team, and we labeled him as this player that's productive. He's not. He's not. P.J. Tucker makes Toronto worse. Let's go to deal number six. Nerland's Noel to Dallas for Justin Anderson. Dallas gets had an interesting day. Because I'm going to throw in the release of Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut. Uh, in this well, they boat was part of this trade. So nerland's Noel is having a great offensive season. In his limited time, he is a plus one point1 pack player. He was positive last year, I think 0 point one. He's improved in limited time this year, gone to one point1. He is the best pack player of any player on the Mavericks. And using just seven scoring opportunities a night, he scores 1.1 points more than the average player in the NBA with those seven scoring opportunities, and that is better than any player on the Mavericks. And what's interesting about the Mavericks is they have flushed a ton of negative pack players off their roster today. Justin Anderson is a negative .5. Darren Williams is a negative .5. Andrew Bogut is a negative .6. And I'll tell you, the numbers don't say this, so I'm stepping outside of the numbers here for a second. Because our, the numbers of PAC actually truly kind of believe that if you switch teams and switch teammates, it actually doesn't have a very big impact. Very rarely does switching your landscape and your teammates actually impact performance differently. I know every team likes to believe it, I'm just not sure it's true. But in the case of Rick Carlisle, is one of the times we see it, and I wonder, just from an X's and O standpoint, New Orleans Noel in the early drag screen, off of Seth Curry or J.J. Barea when he's healthy, rolling to the rim the way Tyson Chandler did when Tyson Chandler was one of the most effective offensive players in the league, I think New Orleans Noel and Dallas could be terrific. And that, the, and the subtraction of Anderson, Williams, and Bogut, we're going to see an uptick in Dallas's offense. Deal number seven, Urson Ilyasova to the Hawks. Ilyasova's an even pack player and his 13 scoring opportunities a night uh, with Philadelphia. And so the question in Atlanta is whose possessions does he take? Atlanta has been all over the map with their, their stretch four. They've played Kent Bazemore Small. They've played Mike Scott. Mike Muscala has been very good, but he's predominantly been the center. Chris Humphreys has played some of these minutes. And the issue is going to be whose minutes and whose shots Ilyasova takes. Because Bazemore has been terrible. Scott has been very poor. He got traded later in the day. And so there's a chance Ilyasova is a significant upgrade being even. Again, this kind of fits to the Taj Gibson-Doug McDermott in Oklahoma City. This has been a tremendous area of weakness for Atlanta. Mascala continues to get his backup minutes to Howard. And Ilyasova takes shots and minutes away from Bazemore and Scott in this position. And you've got a nice win for the Atlanta Hawks. Deal number eight. Bagnanovich to the Wizards, along with Chris McCullough. But McCullough didn't really... He's an even player. He hasn't played enough five minutes a night. Bognanovich is a positive .5 pack player in 12 possessions. And this I find fascinating because what you find often, P.J. Tucker's a good example of this, is players that use 10, 11, 12 possessions on a really bad team and they put up some decent numbers and you begin to think they're a pretty good player. And then when you dig into the analytics at the second level of stuff, what you find out is that they're actually not good, but they're just getting enough scoring opportunities that they put up good numbers, and so you think they're better than they are. Vognadovich is the opposite of that. He's good. Really good. Plus .5 in 12 possessions is a good, really good number for a rotation player in the NBA. And if he's coming off the Wizards bench, it's a big upgrade. And here's how big an upgrade it is. Every player on the bench of the Washington Wizards is a negative pack player. So now they have a positive pack player. Marcus Thornton was a negative 0.8. Kelly Oubre's a negative 0.4. Trey Burke's a negative. Bogdanovich taking Marcus Thornton by himself, taking those, mo- That that's a 1.3 points a game upgrade. It's a lot. That's three wins over a course of a season. So the Wizards bench, so putrid, you're replacing all negative with a positive Bogdanovich That's a big deal. So a nice step by the Wizards there. And that's a little bit of what the theme of this whole podcast is here, is that in some of the cases where you have the places where players are, you know, Serge Ibaka's impact, I just don't think is going to be that big, partially because he's not not replacing that bad of players. They just weren't that negative impact. If he can help out DeRozan, I think that's, and he's not super negative, but it would help them out. And P.J. Tucker is actually replacing no poor players. He's actually worse than all those players. What you When you look at suddenly what Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott are doing, what Lou Williams is doing, and what Bogdanovich is doing in Washington, they're replacing terrible players. Terrible offensive players. Our final one has me flummoxed a little bit. And that's because... Yusuf Nurcic has had such a terrible season, and an and an out of character season, uh, as as poor as as poor as he's been, and so it's a little hard to evaluate this last trade. So, uh, in the case of Plumlee, uh, Mason Plumlee is a distinctly off average offensive player. He uses ten scoring opportunities a night, and he's absolutely he's even. Nurkic this year has been a negative .4 player uh, in using eight scoring opportunities. So if you're just replacing the two of them, which I think is what they're going to do, it's a plus for Denver this season. Not a huge plus, but a significant. The question for Portland is whether Nurkic gets better, but and he's been having this poor season. Everyone's, well, unfortunately, when you dig into Nurkic, he wasn't very good last year either. He was a negative 1.4-pack player, which is one of the lowest numbers in the league last year, while using nine scoring opportunities. Now, that's got to be a little disconcerting. That suddenly, well, it's not just this year, it's last year also. And that is a level of inefficiency two years in a row for a big guy that maybe only Andre Drummond is equaled. Well, everyone goes back to Nurkic's really good year the year before and says, well, that he was a negative .7 Pac player that year as well. So now I've got three years of Nurkic as this big, huge body in a statistic that likes bigs, frankly. Pac loves dunkers. You heard Rudy Gobert listing in the top 10 offensive players in the NBA. DeAndre Jordan was, I think, 12th. or uh, Yeah, DeAndre Jordan's 12th. Dwight Howard is 11th. Tyson Chandler is 14th. This, this statistic likes guys who dunk. It likes bigs who dunk. It sees a huge value in Clint Capella as the 21st best offensive player in the league. And here's Yusuf Nurchik, who in three years in the league as this big mammoth man... Is a negative all three years. I think this is possibly a real problem for Portland. I think Portland may have actually gotten worse. Everyone kind of thinks that Nurkic is going to be okay, and he was definitely the flavor of the month for a while, but there's nothing statistically to me that backs up that flavor of the month. 14 15 season, negative 0.7. 15, 16 season, negative 1.4. 16, 17 season, negative 0. 0.4. And you flip it around and take a look at Plumlee for a minute. Limited offensive, no game, but he can dunk a little. And last year he was a positive 0. 0.4. Only eight scoring opportunities tonight, no rate. But you'd rather have a player that can dunk than taking inefficient, poor shots. And if you go back to Plumlee's rookie year when he was in Brooklyn on what was a pretty poor team and try to figure out whether there was something to it. Well, in fact, he was a positive .6. So I think Denver got the way better end of this deal and will turn out to be better because of it. And I also believe Denver will continue to be the eighth playoff team. So that is Locked on NBA. Pack Breakdown. If you have any questions, you're welcome to give me a call. Oh, give me a call. You're welcome to, well, you can call me too if you can find my number, but go ahead and email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at com. Thank you to SeatGeek promo code LOCKED. You get $20 back on your first purchase. Download the app today, and for our Long-time sponsors, Indochino with the made-to-measure suit company. Use indochino.com slash locked. Use the promo code LOCKED and get a made-to-measure suit at half price. Blue Apron, get your first three meals for free with the promo code LOCK NBA. And I loved Bloom That, the flower company. They did great work for us, uh, and we appreciate them. So check out Bloom That uh, if you have a flower delivery you want to make. This has been Locked on NBA, the pack of. NBA Draft Breakdown. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure you check out your favorite team on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.